Hello and welcome to episode 2 of Stand and Deliver, a JoJo podcast. This week, episode 6 through 9 of Phantom Blood. pay-per-views including Wrestlemania and a random episode of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure every week you never know which one it's going to be yeah never even know when what time it's going to come on they just slip it in between documentaries yeah well I mean some you're saying they're watching uh, the history of CM Punk and it's like hey here's the part where uh, they fought Vanilla Ice here's the episode where a character has to eat corn on the cob well, that's an OVA, please. They wouldn't put that on the network. Oh, well. I'm Larry Davis. Uh, we've been recording. Uh, this is a podcast where we watch the 2012 anime adaptation of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, a long-running manga series by Hirohiko Araki, a real weirdo. Uh, I'm Larry Davis, and with me is my pal and colleague, George Brundle. That's right. Uh... I'm I'm now learned about JoJo over these last nine episodes. That's that's not true. Uh, and as mentioned, we'll be watching. I know. Discussing. All there is to know about JoJo. Ask me anything. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Um. What is the name of Polnareff's stand? <sighs> okay. Anyway. Uh, this episode we will be discussing episodes 6 through 9, which finishes out Phantom Blood, the nightmare is over, we can get on to the good stuff. That's right, I've been told the real JoJo's begins at what is our episode 10, but part 2 overall. Well, it, it's episode 10 of season 1, which is the first episode of part 2. Yes, yeah. Anyway... Uh, also, previously, you said the real JoJo starts uh, in one of the previous episodes, something about Dio and the mask, I don't know. Maybe I said that. I don't remember I'm anything. not sure. Uh, <laughs> so what happens in episode six? Tell me. Uh, so the episode Kolda opens on Blueford getting punched out of the water. So it immediately becomes a surface fight yet again. Like, it, the show wastes absolutely no time in resolving the cliffhanger from episode 5. Well, of course not. Why would it? The cliffhanger was mid-punch. Yeah, that's right. There was no... Well, so, like, any other show could have done a whole kind of, like, quick recap thing and quickly move into, like, getting JoJo back in the water and figuring everything out to, like, catch the audience up on why he's in there and what the situation is. This show doesn't fuck around. It doesn't have time for that. It's just JoJo's in the water. He's punching a dude. That's all you need to know. Yeah, I would like to know a little bit more. Want to know what he's thinking? Uh, but Blueford, we know what he's thinking because he's got a lot of internal monologuing about how jazzed he is to be fighting JoJo. He is really impressed with him. Oh yeah, it, everybody loves JoJo. His friends, his enemies, everybody. 
They can't get enough of them. Something that we find out later on in this set of episodes is, yes, people you would maybe not expect to have a deep respect for JoJo, in fact, do. So, uh, but anyway, Blueford. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, uh, Blueford also blinds JoJo with his hair. Yeah. Binds JoJo, rather. But it prevents him from using uh, Haman. Yes, because Hemon can only be projected from extremities, he says. Which I I don't think that really makes a whole lot of sense, because the whole thing is nope. that's based on breathing. He should be able to emanate it from his torso, but what are you going to do? So I can't remember if that is necessarily like this moment or later on, or if it happens a few times, because it's been a few days since I've watched this, but I know that there's at least a point where JoJo is getting like... um choked so he can't breathe and so he can't channel Haman. I know that happens in the water. It happens a uh, lot. But I wanna so like I want to say that part of it is Blueford is binding him so hard that it's like constricting his chest and preventing him from breathing. No, in this they specifically say that it's because it's binding his arms. Uh what you're thinking of okay. I think is the Tarakus fight uh with the chain. Oh that's right. Yeah, because he's Okay. Yeah, yeah that's I'm, later. I'm getting, I'm getting all confused. Uh, because it doesn't matter anyway, because JoJo seems to like just use his raw strength to like rip the hair up. Yeah. He's like, hey, you forgot. I'm super swole. Yeah. It's like, oh, fuck, that's right. This is just hair. So I'm going to like, I don't know, flex my way out of it. Oh, no, I don't have my special breathing power. What will I do against this hair? <laughs> Oh jeez! Oh, good quote. Uh, good quote from Speedwagon here. He says, "I'd love to help, but we have our own problems." Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because he and uh, and Zapelli are still they're they're dealing with Tarkus, who is like preventing them from jumping in and helping Jojo out. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But Tarkus isn't actually like engaging them in combat. He's just kind of standing there, like. Yo, if you move, this is going to get real ugly for you. Yeah, he just, he, you know, he likes to watch. That's okay. With Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> with what we know about Tarkus later, though, I would not expect him to be so respectful. Uh, well, Bluford's his buddy at this point. He wants to see him, you know, get at, a crack at him. Yes, at, at this point, but in a few minutes, he is not going to be his buddy anymore. <laughs> no. So Jojo, uh, Bluford attacks Jojo with a sword. Uh, Jojo kicks the sword, sends the ham on through it to melt Bluford's arm, and then does the, uh, yellow sunlight overdrive, uh, which looks very similar, uh, spoiler alert, to the sort of attack Star Platinum does in Part 3, which you haven't seen yet, but you know about Aura, 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 Aura. Right, with all the punches. Yeah, like I mean, yeah, I know like the rapid punches and like yeah. the sound. Like I, I know now that muda 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 means useless. I thought they were just making a a weird sound while they did it because I don't <laughs> speak Japanese. Yeah. So I'm assuming aura probably actually means something now, but I don't think so. Y- the the long walk of this is yes, I'm aware of that. Okay, great. But he, uh, after using the Hemon and basically melting him, he, there's this thing about 
Bluford becomes uh, very noble again and basically thanks Jojo for giving him a good fight. And uh, I wrote down, destroying his zombie body restores his noble soul. Because yeah. that, that's what they say happens. We now understand how zombies work in the world of JoJo's bizarre adventure in except, a, a way and a manner that I was not expecting. Except maybe not, because that doesn't happen to anybody else. That is true. Uh, but then Blueford gives JoJo, before he dissolves, his sword, which says luck on it. And then he writes in blood a P on the front, so it becomes Pluck. So he has the Luck Pluck sword now. And I, so was there a reason why he put the P on there that was just going over my head? I mean, like the, the it, it word comes Pluck. Back, it comes back around later, but like in the context of what it means to Blueford, I got kind of confused on that i'm not think, sure what significance that has i think he's just giving him like hey here good luck and also you have a lot of pluck i don't know that that whole thing's weird my my notes for that, that section starts with i'm not sure what happens here and then i have like a subsection of like the beat by beat of the those like following scenes so none of it made any sense to me I just wrote bestows Jojo with look and pluck. Okay. Yeah, sure. I mean, that's what happens. Uh, but after that, that's all note, we're here for is just to tell you what happens. My note after that is a quote from Tarkus who says, I will always be the master of murder, which is a really good <laughs> quote. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, because when, when Blueford dies, Tarkus is so disgusted by how weak he was that he just, like, stomps what is left of Blueford, uh -huh. uh, which is, like, his armor, just disrespecting him. He's just like, weak! He's just like, yeah, he's like, yo, Blueford was a real bitch, but I'm not, so, like, get ready, because I'm going to mess you up. Uh-huh. And then, uh... Everybody else decides that they gotta cheese it and talk about their method of escape because it's really something. Oh man. So Tarkus attacks uh, the ground underneath our party crumbles and drops them into a huge, um, like a canyon that I did not know was even there to begin with. Like, I don't think at any point we've established that this was part of the scenery, the backdrop of this fight, but it's there now. And they're falling, and uh, I think it's... The animation yeah. in these episodes are not... It's not great. No, like, six and seven in particular kind of just have this overall vibe of being filler, almost. Yeah, it, like, it really comes back around in eight, uh, which, it, when yes, I was watching it, it, I thought, man, this looks way better. Yeah. But but animation quality, I think, pacing and just the general storytelling in six and seven are, have been the weakest so far. Yeah, uh, but they, to kind of look to get back. Yeah, well, they look very simple. Uh, it looks like they kind of just yeah. did outlines yeah. and then put some gradients in there, and that was it. It's really lacking in detail for most of it. Yeah, there's a, a definite decline overall, um, but. Uh, Zappelli notices some leaves in the air 
or no, they, it's on the rock that they're on that they're like falling on. And uh -huh. he decides to channel Haman using life force magnetism overdrive yeah. to form all these leaves into a giant leaf. And then everyone just sails away. Yep. They just fly and while away. And this is on. happening, Poco just <laughs> shows his ass to Tarkus. Yep. He's <laughs> like, yo, fuck you. Yep. I wrote leaf you escape. Can't get <laughs> leaf escape because magnetism. Poco shows butt. <laughs> and then Speedwagon lays out an excellent philosophy for watching JoJo's. I've grown so used to this madness, I've quit questioning. It. <laughs> he's the audience surrogate, you know. He's he's there to react to things and be like, "Whoa!" <laughs> Speedwagon is just riding on this giant leaf, and like, I guess the Grand Canyon, and he's just like. Man, I don't know, fuck it. Hey, he's having a good time. What, what even is my life? I mean, if you got to ride on a giant leaf with a weirdo that looks like Salvador Dali in a top hat, wouldn't you be having a pretty good time? I would, but unlike Speedwagon, I would definitely be questioning it. But if you had seen the other stuff that he had, you probably wouldn't. It, true. Like, of all the I stuff they've I think I done, also would have... What? Yes, there there are much stranger things that have transpired than a giant leaf hang glider. Like if you saw Zappelli do the thing where he punches a frog and destroys the rock under it, and then the frog just floats away, you'd be like, "Yeah, giant leaf, sure, whatever." Yeah, no, I think like the point where all that shit went down in the uh, Joestar Mansion would have been the point where I just resigned myself to whatever happens. Oh sure, when a guy puts a mask on and says, "Somebody stop me," and then throws people around and makes other people explode. Exactly. I mean, okay. you remember the part where he sees Poco's sister and his head turns into a giant wolf and like his tongue rolls out. Oh yeah. Well, that's later on. Don't spoil. Oh, whoa, sorry. But uh, after this escape, we get a flashback. Yes, uh, to Zapelli explaining where he learned to use Haman. Uh, uh, and what was his man... master's name? <laughs> well, so it first starts actually with a man who heals his leg after the whole incident with his father. Yeah. And... Uh, he says, like, you know, normally my leg should have been, like, amputated because it was super gross. Yeah. And uh, instead, it's it's healed with him on, and he asks the man, like, who trained you? And so the man directs him to his master, Tom Petty. Yep. <laughs> Who's... Who, whose name in my... So you've been spelling it to me differently than the way that it appears in my subtitles. Uh, yet another difference between the two versions of this that we're watching. So the thing uh, is, mine is, yours just calls him Tom Petty? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's also not right. The thing is, there are some characters that they change the names of in the English versions, uh, but there are some that in the original Japanese still were not just, like, that guy's name. Like, yeah, in this so case, were... he was Tom Petty. Yeah, and then mine is just Tom Petty. Yeah, yours is just like, well, we're just going to call him what the uh, reference obviously is supposed to be. Uh, but so, it's, so it's they, the same way with Wang they... Chan. Like he he's called Wang Chan even in the Japanese version. My version calls him Wang Chung. I know because that's what the reference so, is. Yeah, 
There you go. Well, we we know that now in this set of episodes because they do not call him by name in the last set that we watched. So I do now know that that yes, in my version is just Wang Chung. Yeah. Uh, but I will say that that it, that in my version it is still all one word T O M P E T T Y. Okay. Well, so, <laughs> so, I, so I despite think... the fact that they just did the literal thing, they still mashed the names together. Yeah. Well, I think um, in future episodes and uh, the rest of the series, that's when Iraqi's just like, whatever, I'm just going to call the people whatever I want. And so it yeah. is just the actual thing. And then um, I think for our, going. Oh. For, our, for our purposes... Uh, I think we should just call them by the actual reference because the change names vary wildly. Uh, some I think are really good. Some I actually prefer to the original names, but some are really bad. And okay. So I think that's probably I'm the way to gonna, go. I'm just gonna I'm gonna keep calling everyone by the way that they appear in my subtitles, and if I get it dead wrong, just feel free to correct me. Okay. Uh, but for now, though, Zapelli cannot tell anyone about Tom Petty because it's his secret friend. Yeah. Also, while all this is going on, Tarkus has just decided to hurl himself at the glider. <laughs> yeah. Just fucking, fucking flings himself. So you guys he thought that was a great plan, huh? Check this out. <laughs> you didn't plan on me just being able to jump really far, you fucks. You guys didn't see the size of my legs? <laughs> the glider is clearly damaged after this. There's no way it's surviving a full frontal impact from Tarkus's big Ooh. meaty body. <laughs> but there's still enough of the glider left that the group manages to make a safe landing on a structure below at at, at like the very very bottom of this huge uh canyon. And then Tarkus Misses his safe landing and just smacks into a damn wall below them. Well, I mean, he's not floating with the power <laughs> of Hamon. He was just like jumping a... like the Hulk. Yeah, just makes a fucking Looney Tunes imprint in the side of this wall. It's like the part in Gremlins 2 where the bat gremlin flies, flies through the wall and leaves <laughs> a Batman symbol behind. It's exactly like that. <laughs> yeah. Um,. Uh, Zapelli sees this and assures everyone that Tarkus is definitely dead. Uh, Zapelli <laughs> is also wrong. <laughs> yeah, Zapelli can be a bit of a rube sometimes. Uh, so Tarkus is climbing back up at them. And mm -hmm. um, Zapelli then tells Jojo to take Poco to safety, and he points to a door seeping ominous green gas. Always a good sign. And I have, I have noted here, Zapelli is really not on the ball tonight. <laughs> He's, well... He's been through a lot of stuff. Arm got frozen because he underestimated his opponent. Yeah. His glider did not necessarily work out for him. You know, you know, I can't... He's sending JoJo to poison doors. He's probably dying tonight. I, I can't blame him for the being frozen thing because really who could see that coming? Like, why would you think, oh, uh, suddenly he'll have ice powers? Like That's, that's true. Look, I'll give Zapelli a pass on that one. Yes. Every decision he makes afterwards, though, is not great. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you uh -oh. see green gas seeping out from under a door... Sure. Your reaction should be A, uh, there's probably poison gas in there. Mm -hmm. B, 
that's probably Shrek's bathroom. Uh, C, something radioactive is in there. Like those are kind of the only wanna... three possibilities. I feel like two and three could honestly be the same thing. Or one, one, two, A and B. Hmm. Or all but three. anyway, the, the the thing though about the. I oh, definitely don't want it to be all three. Uh, okay. The, the the thing the thing about the structure though, so Poco knows exactly what this is. He knows precisely where they are, and that going into the door is a bad idea because he warns Jojo that this is where knights used to train. So it's full of traps because apparently these knights train like they're about to take on Kevin McAllister. Yeah. Like, Jojo just walks in and starts slipping on, like, Hot Wheels, and a can of paint hits him in the head. Uh-huh. He walks in the door, and a blowtorch activates above it and sets his head on fire. <laughs> walks down some steps, and a nail goes right through his foot. There's a, a fan that blows feathers on him. Let's <laughs> just list all of the different traps from Home Alone. Yes. Uh, he that thinks time... that somebody's in there with him. It's just a dancing Michael Jordan cutout <laughs> on some strings and pulleys. Remember when Zapelli uh, touched the washing machine and he was electrocuted and turned into a skeleton? <laughs> uh, the worst part was when Dio just kicked that like tool chest down the flight of stairs and oh, just no. smacked right into JoJo. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> yes. Great movie. Uh, Jojo, well, so Tarkus has actually managed to like. I'm drawing a blank on how he on how he does this, but like he ends up getting into where Jojo is headed. I think from when and, he uh, smashed into the wall, he kind of just went in from there. Okay, because I thought he was like climbing up at them, but then I think maybe like he came upon another entrance and just sort yeah. of crawled in there. I think he like reaches up to try to grab their leg or something, and they get up away from him, and then I think that's when he gets in. Okay. I don't remember either. Uh, I watched these like a week ago. And I already said I don't remember anything. Yeah. Full disclosure, we had meant to record this sooner, so it's not like we watched these far back on purpose. Or maybe we did. But, maybe it's more fun that way. Oh, who knows? So uh, Jojo gets a uh, collar slapped around his neck. Uh, it is a chain is attached to it that goes through the ceiling, and then on the other oh. end, it's attached to a a collar on um, Tarkus's neck. Hot. This is a family Hot. podcast. <laughs> You're the one. <laughs> All right. Great. I'll be sure to add Children... the family tag on iTunes. Thank you. Children are listening, Larry. They need to know about JoJo's bizarre adventure. It's gonna be like those things on YouTube, you know, where it's like. Uh... Fun with Spider-Man and Peppa Pig, and then it turns out they're all pregnant. <laughs> Fun with JoJo and Dio. Dio's got a big old pregnant belly. Yeah, Wario's there. Uh, get off this topic, get off this topic, get off this topic. <laughs> family podcast, family fun. Fun for the whole family. Tune in. JoJo, talk, bring the kids. Anyway, so Poco wets himself. Yep, I wrote uh, Poco Peas Pants. Yes, I wrote truly, this is just like my Japanese anime. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, 
but to explain Tarkus's game, the, so the reason I had wrote this is just like my, so I wrote Jojo and Tarkus are now engaged in the chain neck death match, similar I'm sure to the ear pull, because this game makes no goddamn sense to me. It is just that the key to the other person's collar is in the reverse collar. And I guess whoever wins is whoever kills the other opponent somehow and gets the key. Like, if normal knights were to engage in this, I'm not sure how it would work. But because it's Jojo versus a living mountain, Tarkus, it, it sort of does. Because Tarkus can just, like, yank Jojo up and start choking him to death. Well, I think the idea is that for normal knights, there's enough slack in the chain that uh, they would be able to fight each other normally. But because I, Tarkus okay. is so huge, he just pulls the chain through the ceiling to pull up Jojo. I guess that makes sense. I did not think about it that way. I thought it was all based on like pulling the other person up, because most of what this fight is is just trying to pull the other person up towards the ceiling. Yeah, well, that's because uh, he's a man mountain, a mountain of man, a big hunk of man meat. <laughs> yeah, he's a big boy, uh, very, and he is successful person. in in choking Jojo. Uh, the door also has locked uh, from the inside, so Zapelli and Speedwagon cannot get to Jojo, and, Poco. and neither can Poco because Poco was still left outside. Yeah. But uh, Poco gets a flashback to uh, his sister telling him that he's a giant wuss and needs to actually do something. So uh, he mans up and he sees a hole in the wall and he crawls crawls up the wall to get through the hole to get inside the chamber. Uh, when doing this, I noted a quote from Zapelli who says, No ordinary person would stand a chance, much less a wee lad. <laughs> I just I like that he uses my... the term wee lad. I don't think my version used wee lad, so putting oh. one up on the board for your version of this anime. Advantage mine. By the way, I checked and it seems the um the Blu-ray subtitles are the same as the ones on Crunchyroll. Ah, so it might just be that version of it. Yeah. Uh, we should also note, though, that uh, Zapelli brings up that Haman cannot be channeled through like metal so like jojo can't just send this thing through the chain and break the chain and get free it doesn't which work is, that way which is weird because uh we see evidence to the contrary of that later on ex ex exactly there is in episode eight a direct contradiction to that yeah so first instance of plot convenience i guess i guess so of of the rules of JoJo, a very rules heavy series changes. Mm. Of a, I mean, you know, this was early Poco. on; he was figuring it out. True, uh, and again, these two episodes maybe not the best ones. Uh, Poco immediately gets the shit knocked out of him by Tarkus, uh -huh. uh, but he manages to reach lever, letting in Zapelli and Speedwagon, and that ends episode six. Yep. So. Oh. New segment. Are you excited? Yes. Tell us about the new segment, Larry. All right, this is a new segment. I'm very excited about it. Uh, Brand so, new segment. God, okay. So, with this Blu-ray set I got, it also comes with a book, which includes uh, for every episode, 
has a couple of paragraphs from the director of the show And so I'd like to read them for each episode So we can get a little bit of insight into the production of this Uh, Okay, episode 6, Tomorrow's Courage Director Suda says uh, It's not Suda51, unfortunately Or this show would have a lot more lightsabers in it I can only imagine what a suit of 51 helmed Jojo would look like uh, Just suplexes everywhere This says Poco appears a lot in episode 6 There are plenty of things you shouldn't miss Part A has Blueford's death scene And part B shows Tarkus's overwhelming strength I quite like Blueford's death scene The direction for the animation and background was great The background was done by Taizo Yoshida, our art director I'm really thankful he always creates great work Zapelli's past is depicted here we created a character model for young Zapelli just for the scene. We don't reuse character models very often in JoJo, so this was a bit of a hassle, but we were helped by the hard work of our staff. The scream that Tarkus made at the end of Part uh, Part A in the Japanese version was ad-libbed by Tetsu Inada. We weren't planning on keeping it, but we liked it so much that we left it in. Also, Poco's line, Tomorrow is now, wrapped things up nicely, so I'm satisfied. Zapelli's ending finished off strong, too. The music was so cool And Mr. Suda's favorite scene is Tomorrow is now I don't, even remember. I don't even remember the music in this episode To be honest with you I don't either Yeah, I guess it was cool though As Suda says it is Thanks Suda Thanks Suda, you did it again Maybe you should have Great job uh, Suda Maybe you should have had your animators spend a bit more time on uh, putting some extra lines in there. They do great work. Mostly. Anyway, episode 7. We open in Tibet. Tibet? Zapelli uh, asks Tom Petty huh? to reveal the time and circumstance of his death so he can remain committed to his goal because Tom Petty has, uh, in their first meeting... Explain to him that if he goes down this path of learning Haman, it will lead to his death. Yeah. Which, uh, that's a great encouragement. <laughs> sure. It's like that uh, time I was like, hey, someday, oh, you know what? <laughs> I probably should say that this soon. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Way to pull back from that joke, Larry. <laughs> I was right on the uh, edge. <laughs> Wonder what I could have been talking about Oh, No idea Anyway, uh, Tom Petty is A real, like I think like in most of these sort of scenarios Like the, the wise old master would refuse nonetheless To tell them the circumstance of their death But Tom Petty and Zapelli have like a really, really good Master-student relationship So he just like lays it out there and sure enough, Zapelli is committed to his goal nevertheless. Uh, and we kind of see in this intro that he realizes as he enters to face Tarkus, this is probably where he is going to die, because it, it matches the prophecy. Yeah, like, well, Tom Petty understands that trust goes both ways, you know? Both the master and the student, you have to trust each other. And uh, so, of course, he'll tell him where he gets murked horribly. Uh, because yeah. eh, he wants to know, so sure, why not? Lots of trust falls on those ropes that are like 800 feet above the ground. 
Well, yeah. Because also that is where the conversation is taking place. They're tight roping like absurdly high in the air. And this is the conversation they're having, I guess. Like, where else would you have it, I I suppose? When you think of Tibet, you think of uh, mountains, temples, uh, big Buddha statues, and giant pillars with ropes strung between them about 800 feet in the air. Sure, they nailed it. Yep. I mean, that's just Tibet, like, all of it. Uh, Uh, There's a lot of good attack... By the way, is great. Like, that actually happens at the end of the previous episode. But he struts in, and he is ready to get it on. (laughs) Zipelli's still not having a great day, though. Uh, (laughs) Because he gets dispatched alarmingly fast. Uh, There's a lot of good attack name yelling. There's Tornado Overdrive. Yep. Uh, heaven and hell snake oh, kill Oh 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 I forgot to mention When the uh, leaf Gets destroyed And they fall uh, I think it's Speedwagon catches Poco And Zapelli says And this is the second time he's done this He says nice a catch Which makes me wonder oh, right, if, he does. It makes me wonder if Nice catch is like some sort of phrase That all Japanese people know in English like if that's just a really common thing Because it's twice now it's, They've inserted that Maybe but there there Are also so many other instances Of just speaking in English That part of me wonders if that is Just a unique to Jojo's kind of thing It could be Like, like if they had some direction of just like say this line in English Just to like jazz it up Or something probably. like that There's actually a lot of that um when we get to part three, you'll see one character in particular has one line he always says in English. You know what it might also be is I wonder if it's one of those. So you mentioned how the guy who made JoJo is is very enamored with Western culture. Yep. Uh, something that I really really like, just to get on a, a quick tangent here, is is when you have a piece of Japanese media that is based around their perception of what American culture is like, like D four. Or Deadly Premonition, like something along those lines where it is clearly just informed by our media that has made it over there. And so I wonder if a lot of that stuff is a perception that these are just popular phrases in America, so say it in English. So I'm I'm looking right now in the manga because I'm trying to see. The character in part three that I was talking about, you can actually see that it is written in English. Uh, and so I'm trying to find the part where they do that to see if Nice Catch is written in English in here. Mm. But, uh, anyway, there, This is where we put on some dead air starts playing. <laughs> we put on some music while you consult the books. No, just, just keep going. Look for All this. right, Larry's diving into the archives. Let's give him a few minutes. Oh, keep, keep uh, going. It, Oh, no, I'll keep going. Uh, the, the the mortal wound that Tom Petty warned uh, Zapelli about was getting split in half. Uh-huh. <laughs> so just by the way, like I was expecting like, oh, he sustained a normal looking but nonetheless mortal injury and he's going to die in JoJo's arms. The second part still happens, but he gets split the literally in half like at the Right in the middle of the stomach He gets a chain wrapped around him And then pulled so hard it cuts him in half Yeah Also like 
I want to say maybe seven minutes into the episode this happens. Yeah. I think he exchanges like one blow with Tarkas and then dies. Yeah. Uh, also, during this whole scuffle, uh, Jojo's neck breaks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but both of them are still alive. Jojo is still breathing, and somehow the upper half of Zapelli's body is still breathing. Uh, and before Zapelli dies, uh, he transfers his ultimate technique to Jojo. Uh, he passes on his will and transfers his Haman energy into Jojo, which heals Jojo's neck. Uh, I also have written here, Speedwagon is the most passionate commentator I've ever seen because there's at least a solid minute of him bawling over Zapelli's death. Zapelli doesn't just transfer Hamon energy into him, he, it actually specifies he transfers his life energy into him. Because after he does that, his hair yes, all turns yeah. white. He, he visibly ages, yeah. yeah. Um, but JoJo's mad as hell, uh, which He's as not Dio has... Yeah, as, as Dio has learned a few times in the past, mad JoJo is JoJo at his most dangerous. Uh-huh. Never back a JoJo into a corner. Damn straight, because he just rips the collar off his neck barehanded. Yeah. With so much ease, you would think it were a tuft of hair. <laughs> well, um, he's, he struggles a little bit with it. But he, 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 he struggles does. with it I'm, about I'm as much as... But he still a, rips it off. He, he takes, it, takes it off with about as much difficulty as Superman would have. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Jojo is more or less using Kaokin now and, like, severs Tarkus's arm. Yep. Uh, which makes Tarkus so mad that he spits his own teeth at Jojo. <laughs> yeah, he snaps off his fangs and then spits them and hits them inside <laughs> like the head. Like a bullet, Yeah. <laughs> so Jojo just melts Tarkus's face off. Yep. Because naturally, when bullets are being spat at you, you would melt your opponent's face to the bone. So with Tarkus gone, uh, everybody's really sad about Zapelli. Uh, yeah, but the, who but is they, still alive. Yeah, sure, somehow. And he gets yeah. to talk to them about how proud he is of Jojo and whatever, and... Uh, they give him a Qui-Gon Does he make your funeral. daddy proud? Yeah, proud, boy, proud. He gets a Qui-Gon Jinn funeral. Continue on in their search for Dio. This is also where we get the scene with uh, Dio and the mother. Oh, boy. It's really something. I uh, specifically had a request to uh, make sure that you saw that scene, because apparently there are some versions that don't have it in it. And I was told I can, that if your version did not, then to find it, to show it to you. I can understand why it would maybe not have it in it. Yeah. Like, I know that on, on Japanese TV, what they allow and disallow, I guess, is kind of weird. Like, I I know that they got some sort of thing with not showing dismemberment and stuff like that. So, um, actually, which is, that. there's dismemberment in this, so I'm not sure how that is, like, handled specifically i think you're probably seeing the uncensored version um in this book there are notes about how the tv versions were edited uh okay but i um was wondering when i watched the first few episodes on crunchyroll that part where dio tears apart the policeman there's like this weird shadowing and stuff on it 
and so I wondered if that was the censored version. But I checked in the Blu-ray, and it's the same way there, so I'm not sure mm-hmm. what the TV version would have looked like or what the differences are. I don't exactly remember how it looked in mine. Uh, but, like, this this scene is... The person who talked to me about it said that they felt like they were going to throw up when it was done. I don't think I had that much of a visceral reaction to it, uh. but it's definitely uncomfortable... So, like, there's there's a woman, and she has a baby, and uh, she's in what, I swear to God, looks like Castlevania. Uh-huh. And Dio's in his chair, and he's just like, okay, so you're telling me that, like, you would do anything to spare your baby. Just to be clear, this means you don't care what happens to you. And she doesn't, like, outright confirm this, but, like, she she more or less, like, that's the deal. Yeah, and so Dio's just like you know I'm I'm going to offer you one last chance. Like you can see, I got hella undead above me. Yeah, they're and just I think hanging on the ceiling. Would... <laughs> yeah, he's like I think you'd love this. I mean, I got plenty of room up on the ceiling. Uh, you remember dancing on the ceiling? Everyone's doing it. It's a great time. Come on, what sweet yeah. music they make! It sounds a lot like <laughs> as it turns out. <laughs> <laughs> but she so she kind of like I guess agrees to this and uh, Dio sinks his fingers into the back of her head and uh, turns her into a member of his undead and she immediately is just like my baby looks delicious and starts <laughs> eating the baby Yeah. and then Dio being the biggest scumbag <laughs> in the world is just like huh Gotcha. I did. I mean, oh, I didn't do anything it. to your baby. Yeah, way to go. She should have seen that coming. So, to be fair. So, just in case anyone wants to go back to the first episode, I'm sure you could probably find a soundbite of me saying, "Man, Dio's so cool." <laughs> <laughs> Maybe don't say that anymore. Uh, I don't know. Dio is pretty cool. Like he's cool in the same way that like. As you mentioned, Dracula from Castlevania is very cool. And he has a very similar um, sense of style. Yes. Well, I mean, he's a vampire. Yeah. Yeah. All vampires look the same. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Now that I'm going to edit out. We're going to have the (laughs) National Association of Vampires on our... Oh boy. I don't want to field those letters. Uh, I mean, so anyway, where were we? They'll, baby, they'll send baby letters, Gunny. they send emails, they're going to bomb the Facebook page. They're going to be like, hey, we're going to leave bad reviews for you on iTunes. And then uh, eventually probably suck our blood. I'm going to have to issue a whole statement over Twitter. And like an image because I have to write so many paragraphs about how sorry I am. <laughs> yeah. The, oh, the actual text is just a... a statement. And then here's a picture of 8,000 words. Yep. I, you know, I got a lot to learn. We, we can all improve. <laughs> anyway. So, uh, Speedwagon <laughs> is also wearing Sapelli's hat now. Yeah, and it's just the damn it's the 
Yeah, it's the best. That's a real good look for Speedwagon. Speedwagon's great. Speedwagon has a lot of great hats over the course of this. That is right. Yeah, that like uh that bowler hat. With, with blades, blades in it. Yeah. Oh, imagine if you put blades on Zapelli's hat. Ooh. 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 Anyway. Speedwagon is way into hat modding. Yeah. Uh, um, so on the way this next bit too though (laughs) this was really good they're on their way to town to find Dio and uh, the crew meets Mr. Adams who Poco knows and uh, he seems alright he tells them uh, what's going on uh, but turns out he is not fine and as he's walking away turns out he has a big tongue and he wants the boy meat and so (laughs) he tries to eat them all and they fight him for a little while, but then they are rescued. That is true. Um, also, not only does he have a long tongue, he turns his head completely around. Yeah. He does that one of those things, you know, from movies where uh, he goes behind them and is looking at the camera. So he, like, does this whole mugging thing of him turning his head around yeah. and blah, 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 blah. Like, Don't his... tell them, but I'm actually a monster, man. That's right. You're like, shh, this is just between me and you. Look at this <laughs> tongue. I'm going to turn it into a square. <laughs> uh, but but yes, they are they are saved um, by a man named Dyer. Uh-huh. Which took me a second, like lo- longer than I want to admit, because I immediately was like, that's a music reference to something. Mm-hmm. It's like it, no shit it is because later his partner Straits shows up. Yeah. Uh but before that happens he attacks Jojo to test his strength. Uh he does this very slow moving kick. And uh when it makes contact with Jojo's hands, he uses his legs to split Jojo's hands open like uh, away from his body. Yeah. So he leaves Jojo wide open for like a cross chop to the neck. And Jojo just like I I can't remember exactly what he does. I think he like headbutts it or something like that. But yeah. like he basically takes the the brunt of the attack and is just like fine. Yeah, because Dyer's like, whoa! Like most people would try and get away from it, but you just went headfirst into it. That's cool. Yeah, and so Straits shows up, and also Yo Tom Petty's here. Uh huh. Should mention uh, the actual name of Straits is Straight So. But again, oh okay, you know. yeah, mine going very literal with it. Yeah, again, the like in uh, future so, ones that won't really matter because the names will be super literal anyway. Yeah, and so we jump around real quickly here as the episode wraps up uh, because we get a quick, quick glimpse of what Dio is up to. Uh, Dio has <sighs> he has <laughs> turned some people into some. I do not like these pets that Dio oh, has great. created for him. I do not like I them. Fucking... They make me somehow more uncomfortable than the woman eating her baby. Oh, I love them. They're just like little it's cats these... and dogs with human heads. Oh, but then they're also like, their tongues are wagging out. And they're going like, ah, this uh-huh. is a pretty lady you got here, Master Dio. Because Dio also has Poco's sister. Yeah. Like, he wants her to be his thrall or something like that. Uh, and then we, we cut 
we cut back to oh imagine if one of the pets said thrall i do not want to hear that <laughs> it'd be like thrall <laughs> oh god or saying like moist ugh. <laughs> oh ugh. no that would really be bad. Your thrall I, I is moist, Master Diogo! Oh. <laughs> I think I'm with you now. That's Fuck. that's really awful. Yes, it is. So we then quickly cut back to Jojo, Robert, Eo, Speedwagon, Poco, Dyer, Straits, and Tom Petty, and the party is assembled, and they are now on their way to Castlevania. That's right. Uh... So, episode 7 notes here from the book. Um, animation I thought most noteworthy was Zappelli's Tornado Overdrive. That turned out so well. Because of the mountainous area in part A, part B feels like it's lacking something. But story-wise, it had to be this way. Kind of throwing a Rocky under the bus on that one. <laughs> I liked how Jonathan showed that his power couldn't be contained, in quotes. I think that's a good line, too. Also, Dio shows up for the first time in a while. His presence is so strong that his very appearance turns up the tension. In the scene where Master Tan Petty appears, I thought about adding a gong whenever he put his hands together, but I scrapped that idea in the end. It was just too ridiculous. Laughs. It would have been oddly memorable, though. Maybe this is Suda 51. That sounds like I something don't think he would have Yeah, I don't think that would have been too ridiculous, and I would have welcomed that. Anyway, uh, but episode eight, we open up. Uh, Poco has been returned home. Yep. Uh, after the thing with the dude on the road, though, like, how do they know that 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 Poco's dad hasn't been turned? Yeah, I don't know. I thought the implication was that Dio had turned like pretty much everybody in that town. Yeah. So I I had noted here that I think he would be safer with Jojo and the gang, and I think it's actually kind of a dumb decision for them to be like. Yeah, we'll leave him literally anywhere in this town, even with a family member. Yeah. But but fine, like, they, they do, and we catch up with Poco's sister, who, again, taken captive. Uh, so I wrote... One of the... I wrote, Dio's cat man is horny for girl. Dio acts... <laughs> yeah. Dio acts kicks him into the floor and says, the ill-mannered are unworthy of life. Yep. Doing me a solid by erasing these pets from the show. Yeah. Um, it was like, well, we got some feedback from the audience. Uh, these guys aren't testing that well. This were... Oh, God. Yeah, just... Ugh. But she every, refuses every Dio. Time, every time she's... the cat men appear, Ralph moves the knob over to the left. <laughs> Cats went back home to their their home planet. <laughs> Flew off the top of the screen. Uh, uh, Poco's sister uh, resists Dio, and she slaps him, and he is just. Uh, he says all in English, "Goodbye, Mademoiselle," and yeah. just leaves the room. Which I thought was funny. That that was subtitled as "farewell" too, even though he obviously really? he says like "bye." Yeah, he gives a real flowery like. Bye, mademoiselle. Yeah. He leaves her to her fate uh, in the room alone with Doobie the Monstrous. Yeah. Who is my 
favorite of Dio's henchmen so far. So so Doobie is a big dude who has a bag over his head. He kind of looks like one of those little guys from Dark Souls 3 that jump on you and stab you, but giant. Uh, and Jojo, like, throws an anvil at his head and stabs through it. But it turns out that doesn't work because, as Speedwagon says... That zombie is full of snakes. Yeah, no, my my notes here that I had like quick man, they're the sloppiest part of my notes because I was just trying to quickly type in everything as my <laughs> head was attempting to wrap around it. Yeah, because it's just Poco sister brains or zombie attacking Poco sister brained with anvil. Doobie's head is just snakes. Yep. Doobie thinks it's so rad to have snakes for a head. Well, he does have a head in there, but it this, just also has a bunch of snakes. The, yeah. So this is before the because he's wearing it like a burlap sack over yeah. his head. So initially, I just thought his head must have been like all snakes under there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, the bag does come off, and it's just a head that is itself filled with snakes. Yep. Speedwagon was right. That zombie's full of snakes. I love that line so much. Uh, the Venom ends up getting into Jojo. Jojo expels it with Haman, and then... Oh yeah, I didn't mention uh, that. I think... the, the snakes do bite Jojo. And yeah, just yeah. with the force of Haman, he shoots the poison out of the wounds. Mm-hmm. Just ejects it from his neck. Uh, there's going to be some more great Jojo neck action in a little bit. Uh-huh. Ugh. So... Doobie is dispatched, and the gang ends up... They they go into Dio's quarters and confront him. And Dio admits flat out he didn't want to have to turn who he views as his brother, Jojo, into an undead, but he sees no other option now. And Jojo, meanwhile, is out for revenge, even though it is, quote, unbecoming of a gentleman. Yeah. But he's totally going to kill you for revenge. Yes. Uh, but before Jojo can get a shot at Dio, Dyer decides to take over. Uh-huh. So he... Dyer attacks Dio with this arm cross thing that he did to uh, Jojo. Which Speedwagon remarks that because he can attack like this without dropping his guard, it is the perfect attack. Uh, and then Dio freezes Dyer and shatters him into a bunch of pieces while saying Muda, 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 Muda. Yeah. I think that's our first instance of Muda, Muda, Muda. I think he said it before uh, when he fought mm. Jojo, like, on the roof or something. Okay, I might have missed it. Uh, but yeah, uh, he... By Dio, the way, not only definitely, just... I, I will say, like, definitely, this is Dio in full Dio mode. Like, okay. he, he has reached his okay. final form, essentially. I I do have here though, and it is a an important distinction to make. He does not just shatter him; he shatters him with a sexy pose. Yeah, he is so fucking fabulous when he murders people. Mm-hmm. You gotta do it with style, or why do it yeah, at all? No, very graceful. Uh-huh. That Dio, uh, Dyer's head falls into a a huge bowl of roses. Uh, that that Dio has been kind of like pulling yeah. plucking roses out yeah. for a while, um, and he grabs one with his teeth, 
and shoots it out of his mouth with with such force that the stem goes into Dio's eye. Yep. The disembodied head of Dyer spits a rose yeah. into Dio's eye. You know, just JoJo things. Uh, also, at this point, like, Dio is just done, man. <laughs> like, yeah. he loses all composure. He says, I, I have him quoted here, you are all lower than frog piss. Wow, I don't think he said that in <laughs> like, mind. Dude. Oh, he's, like, calling them piss ants a lot oh, during yeah. the sequence that follows. He He definitely is angry that they damaged his face. Yeah. His beautiful, beautiful face. I, I can't argue with that. No. Uh, Jojo is then going to use Blueford's sword, uh, infused with Haman, to kill Dio, uh, since a direct attack with his body will only result in a dehydration, dehydration freeze. Uh-huh. Sorry. This is the thing that you and I were talking about. If he cannot channel Haman through metal, why can't he do it through a sword, which is all metal? They also, there's another part coming up where they also channel through metal. So, yeah, I don't know. I might have missed think, that in my notes. You know, I, I actually think it might be, I don't know if this is what they said or if this is just headcanon, but I think it might be that he couldn't get the hem on far enough through the chain because it was, like, too long. And so maybe because these are closer, maybe they can channel it that way. So here's here's my theory, because the reason this gets brought up in the first place is Apelli is trying to punch down the door to the room where Tarkus and Jojo are fighting, which is a metal door, and he can't use Haman to blow the door open. That's why he makes note of it. I wonder if it is that perhaps you can channel Haman through metal, but you cannot use Haman to destroy metal. Oh, yeah. Like, it's just too dense. Yeah. And that... so maybe that is where that disconnect comes in. I thought you were talking about um, how Jojo couldn't channel through the chain that was attached to his neck. Yeah, like, so that is still, like, a discrepancy in it, but the the way I'm trying to, like, make peace with it in my mind is maybe it's because he was trying to destroy the chain and he can't destroy the chain. I, I don't know. Well, no, the chain is definitely partly because it was choking him, and if he can't breathe, then he can't use it. But that, Yeah, that is true. I also thought, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Also, hey, I don't care. We only have to deal one. with Haman for two parts, so whatever. That's right. You know, after part two, yeah. not going to see much of it. Yep, so I'm not going to bother to figure it out. Fuck uh, it. <laughs> who cares? Let's just, let's just skip part two. Like, screw it. Oh, uh, well, we don't have much luck. Anyway, <laughs> so... Uh, uh, yes. Dio's minions appear uh, Four of them get their own intro They're like the Ginyu Force They uh, show yeah. up to fight straight so uh, As they should because their names are uh, I was wondering if you would catch what this was a reference to It it took me like a couple names and then I did uh, Their names are Paige, Jones, Plant, and Bonham Yep So in, Which in... my in my version they are changed to uh, Pidgeu, Jones, Pluton, and Barnum. Which no, is actually. Oh, I don't. <laughs> Again, oh, man. Th- this is kind of the reason, like, some of the changes later on are stuff like that, where just use the actual names. Yeah. I. 
just in case like someone listening to this just happens to not know though by the way that is the name of the members of Led Zeppelin who Led Zeppelin never heard of them anyway it's an it's an obscure indie band you, you probably probably wouldn't have yeah you know, I mean, well mostly in the garage scene well the problem is most of their music they put out on uh, MySpace and so when that went under you know you kind of have to get it from torrent sites now now I I commissioned uh, I downloaded it all and I commissioned someone to put it on a cassette tape for me. Yeah, you know, custom cover and everything. Yeah, oh sure, I mean that, yeah. that's a good. And way then to go. they just started, they just started offering that as like one of their patron tiers later on. So you know, it's whatever. Well, you can get like um, you can get the first two albums on Bandcamp, or uh, you pay what you want. Anyway, so Streetso oh. fights these guys. What? It's going to be like, I hope a member of Led Zeppelin never hears this. They're going to be so upset with me. I don't think they will. I don't, no, I don't think they will either. Just a little part of me, though, that's just like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want oh, anyone to no, know what no. I said. I, I mean, they won't be upset with you. They'll definitely hear it, because I'm going to send this to Jimmy Page. I knew this would happen. I'm also going to um, put this on a flash drive and lay it at the grave of John Bonham. <laughs> Shit. Anyway, I was actually going to say you're going to email this to John Bonham, aren't you? And then I forgot that he's not with <laughs> us anymore. Yeah, you know he's only been dead for what thirty years. This is a real roller coaster of an episode. I'm finding out that Bonham's dead. For a second, I thought you were going to say Bono's dead, and oh man, if only. Oh, you could only be so lucky. Anyway, uh, so JoJo throws a rose at Dio. Oh, wait, wait! You, you uh, skipped the the Zeppelin members. They fight Straitso for about uh, three seconds because Straitso just oh, drops yeah, the chandelier yeah. on them and uh, infuses it with Hamon uh, and melts them all. The end. Oh right, because that's another one where he's like, I can't. He says something like, "I can't use this on on metal, so I have to do like a direct attack or something like that." No, no, I think he says that it doesn't conduct it well, so it has to be close. That okay. that was kind of what I was talking about. I yeah, I so I did not take any notes on that at all. I just got like, they die, on here. Uh, so I forget exactly what he says. Uh, but then, yeah, it, after that it goes to Jojo throws Rosa Dio. Uh, Dio punches it out of the way because simply, like, smacking aside a rose is way too, like, this is Dio, man. He's got to punch that rose. Yeah. Like, if you uh, just kind of deflected it, that's passe. You have to put a little yeah. bit of flavor in it. Yeah. Uh, but it was just a ruse to get onto Dio's blind side. Uh Jojo then severs Dio's arm and then does him in like Frieza. Yeah. Just straight down the middle. Yep. Head to crouch uh, right <laughs> through. And the Dio's just like, you idiot, I froze your sword anyway, what's up? Yeah. He froze it right in his groin, which, uh, uh-huh. not a great spot. Oh. He, he, like, puts himself back together on each side of oh. the sword. <laughs> And he my squishes fa- his face together Yes Like on, on the sides of his cheeks And then he puts his hands like under his chin On the top of his head Just to make sure he's aligned Yeah Cause he's like a 
he's got one side a little bit higher than the other side when he comes together and so he's gotta you know make everything level I just like to think of like what if he won and he also didn't fix his face and he's just noticing this the next day and he's like ah shit (laughs) at that point it's already healed so like he has to have Wang Chan come over and cut him in half again just so he can heal up the right way Like re-breaking a bone um, anyway. So the, 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 the frozen stuff Travels up to Jojo's arms uh, And also while all this is Happening uh, Dio has now Sunk his fingers into Jojo's neck To heal and to transfer Vampire juice into Jojo And turn him into an undead Yeah, uh, But he's not simply just Sticking his finger in He has with Oh god, this is the worst. Uh-huh. He's withdrawn Jojo's artery and is just massaging it sensually. Yeah, he's talking about how nice and like, warm it is. Yeah, he's like, oh, you got such a good artery, I can't wait to put my vampire goo into this thing. And it's a lot of tight zooms on this artery. Uh-huh. Because he just uh-huh. kind of fiddles around with it. That, I think, has been the... I'm not normally grossed out by things that happen in animation. For me, that that disconnect between cartoon and reality is just so severe that I can't get very squeamish about it. Mm -hmm. The artery massaging genuinely made me uncomfortable. That was actually how I felt when I read it. Like, uh, when I started to watch this, I did not remember a whole lot from the book, but that was one thing that I vividly remembered, because it's super gross. I will say that, like, in a comic book, I've definitely had that uncomfortable feeling sink in quite a few times, and I think it's just because you're able to get so much more detail out of the art uh, mm-hmm. than you would in an animation. But, but boy, that artery massaging hands off to the animators, that thing looked fucking disgusting. Yeah. Uh, but while he is doing this, while he's uh, having a good time with that artery... Uh, the sword that was stuck through him has been thawing in the fire that was behind him on the balcony. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> very convenient. Some somehow he never noticed that. Yeah, um, and also like he made the mistake of not freezing Jojo's whole body. Yeah, uh, which is which is why he's able to then begin channeling Haman energy again uh, through the sword and the torch to thaw himself out. Yeah. He says that uh, it is thawing him out faster than he can freeze him. Doesn't really make sense since the whole thing was that he vaporized moisture to freeze them or something. Yeah, there's there's some real... Look, the rules get played with fast and loose in episode 8. Well, I mean, the show in general is... Uh, take, yeah. You could take a few cues from the opening of Mystery Science Theater 3000. Uh... You know, just relax. Yeah, don't don't, don't think don't too think much about, about it. it. Take take a page out of Speedwagon's book and just quit thinking about it. Maybe, maybe that's the point of him saying that it's a meta commentary. Yeah. It is it is maybe at that point where the author was just like, "All right, you know, I know I laid out a bunch of rules on you. Disregard that. Just mm-hmm. go for the ride." Uh, but he punches Dio, and his hand freezes again. Uh, Dio reveals even the slightest touch will result in JoJo's entire body being frozen in an instant. 
Uh, so Jojo decides to go for one last punch, but before he does, he sets his hand ablaze as he's launching his attack to counteract the freezing and manages to finally channel Haman energy into Dio. Yep. Uh, Dio's now been flung off of his castle. Uh, as he is as he is dying, he ejects the last of his vampiric fluids, uh, which narrowly misses Jojo's skull. It shoots out like a, like a laser beam. Yeah, they say basically. he shot a liquid laser from his eyes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it goes through Jojo's hands, but it misses his skull. Uh, Dio melts in the air and presumably, quite possibly, dies. Also, that laser like, check, cuts through a piece of the castle. It cuts through yes. like everything. Like maybe he should have used that a little bit earlier. Oh yeah. Well, I wonder if maybe. Well, I was going to say like if that's his last ditch, last ditch attack. Maybe like that would have like killed him to use but but, but it doesn't doesn't it, he's, yeah he's still alive yeah that's still alive yeah he that's it kill him he, he, he might he might also use that attack later on again and it's totally okay yeah maybe anyway if you don't want spoilers skip ahead to this part of the pod we'll put the annotation you click the thing you if you don't want anyway. spoilers skip ahead <laughs> but as he's falling you got to mention he cuts his own head off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he can preserve his beautiful head. Uh, and yep. then Wang Chan picks it up. Is like, hmm, I wonder if I can find a new body. <laughs> I'm going to hop away now because I'm a fucking weirdo. Yeah, he's basically one of those flea guys from Castlevania. Yeah. I'm telling you. Uh. <sighs> Side side note, this did remind me that there's a Castlevania series on Netflix I've not watched, and I really need to get around to doing that. It's very good. Uh, the second season is coming yeah. out soon, I think. Which is good, because um, the first season ends, like, right when it gets good. It's like four episodes that are, you know, 20-something minutes each. So I have heard. I have not watched it yet, so. Yeah. Uh, also, I think you got a little bit ahead of yourself. In my notes, it places uh, that whole sequence at the start of episode nine. So why don't you read from your book? Oh, that's right. Okay, I was thinking yeah. that was the cliffhanger at the end of eight. Okay. Uh, episode... No, actually, real, real quick, the, there is no cliffhanger. It is just Speedwagon being hella stoked that they yeah. killed you. Yeah. Uh, so episode eight. Masahiko Komino, the animation director for this episode. Okay, this guy, I think he's just pranking us because Komino is the planet from Episode 2 Attack of the Clones. Um, Masahiko. Poetry, it rhymes. <laughs> Masahiko Komino, the animation director for this episode, is an ardent JoJo fan. The art is much closer to the style of the comics rather than the character models. Okay, I guess that explains maybe why this looks way better. Yeah. Yeah. Originally, I wanted to achieve this level of detail, but it's difficult to do for a TV series, so we had to simplify things. But I'm very happy he was able to do what he did. We can't get this level of detail unless we have someone who's very good at drawing. The needle veins strike foursome, and the other zombies were all so cool and memorable. During the fight with Dio, some of the dialogue dragged a little, so we thought about cutting some out to make it flow better. In the end, we left it all in to keep the tone of the series. For the scream that Dio let out when he was cut in two, we used a second dubbing. Did that make it feel more realistic? Overall, I thought it was a worthy final battle. 
We place more emphasis on the move where Dio shoots liquid from his eyes than in the manga. In the manga, it cut a pillar, but in the anime, it even pierced a cloud. Laughs. His favorite scene was Speedwagon's Reminiscence. I really like that bit where he's like, in order to achieve better detail, you need someone who can draw well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe you should have uh, more people who can draw well. In order to have better dialogue, you really want to have a good writer. <laughs> well, that's just being silly. If you want to eat tasty food, you should consult a chef. Like, alright, man. Yeah, th so, so this book, uh, between those bits, it has uh, key animation from the episode. Uh, like, um, the animatics, I guess you could say. And the ones for this episode look noticeably better than pretty much any of the others. The yeah. others all say, like, uh, key animation next to them. But these actually say, by animation director. Ah. Uh, really I cool should really pick up the... I should really pick up that Blu-ray. I remember, like, I knew that there was some sort of, like, art book thing attached to it because I was eyeballing that Blu-ray, like, a while before we even decided to do this. Uh, but now I'm especially interested in that because like animatics and like like director commentary stuff like that is is super interesting to me so yeah these are pretty cool yeah anyway uh enough also, of me being envious over your sick book in your blu-ray th this book is also interesting because i looked at the notes from the previous episodes it seems like they animated this in order which i didn't know if they did that with anime series like obviously, with live-action stuff, they just do everything out of order because of shooting locations, but I guess it makes sense that for something animated, they can just do it as they go along. Yeah, so I, I know that certain anime series, uh, like your Dragon Balls or your Naruto's, where they're basically on TV all the time, always. Yeah. I'm pretty sure those have to go in order just based on how quickly the episodes need to be released. So I mm -hmm. almost wonder if that's just sort of par for the course with all animation in Japan if you just go in the episode order. I mean, it's not necessarily... Um, like, you could see, like, they could... Uh, for example, if you had one person working... Or one crew or something working on a specific area, for example, using Naruto... Like, these people are going to draw the parts in uh, Konoha, or whatever. Then you could see, like, they could have that crew doing ep uh, segments that would work in multiple episodes. And so they would kind of be doing all that simultaneously. But I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm not yeah, sure I... what the production pipeline is on this stuff. I don't understand anything about Japan. They got beer in vending machines over there. They have Tommy Lee Jones and coffee cans. Yeah, they took our Tommy Lee Jones. I don't know what's going on in Japan. <laughs> Which, you know, appropriate for this, if a lot of JoJo's is just sort of grasping at, all right, what is Western culture through the lens of somebody in Japan? Uh, this podcast is a lot of us grasping at Japanese culture from the lens of two Americans. Yeah, yeah, sure. JoJo's is a beautiful thing. Yeah. To, uh... Uh, which, to get back to it, these two white guys who are uh, not as old as the manga this series is based on. No. Or maybe you are. 1983. It's got. Uh, no, it's got like half a decade on me. I think it's 83. Uh, I thought it was like 88. 
because I think it's 30th anniversary this year. Is it? Wait, I thought it was no. 83. I don't know. We need to talk about this damn episode. Okay, go ahead. Uh, so we we had the whole bit with uh, Wang Cheng, Wang Chan, Wang Chan, uh, that 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 you talked about. Uh, we then roll into a newspaper report saying that 452 residents of that town have gone missing. There is one eyewitness account of four men burning a pile of clothes, uh, which includes Speedwagon destroying the max the mask with his sledgehammer and going, "Well, that's that." And just... so ends part one. Join us next time for part two <laughs> of just... Stand and Deliver. I like I like how you JoJo's said... Bizarre Adventure podcast. I like how you said he destroyed the Max, which to me just meant that he got a sledgehammer and he went and destroyed the diner from Saved by the Bell. I thought that you were going to think the Max with two X's. Oh, the classic. The they Sam just Keith. laid him on a yeah. They yeah. just laid him on a rock, man. Did him real rotten. Uh, 87, by the way. Really? Okay. Yep. Oh, oh God, you know what I'm thinking of? Uh, I don't, I don't want to say. I'm thinking, I'm thinking of the release of Dead Zone. Why? Because I had to look up to see if that predated JoJo's Bizarre oh. Adventure, because I wasn't sure if it was in the comic. <laughs> okay. And somehow I just thought that JoJo's came out in 1983 instead of Dead Zone. So that's... ice is gonna break. Yeah, checking you out, but I hired you for your abilities as a teacher, not as a fortune teller. Now, don't give me any arguments. The ice is gonna break. This is also a real good way for my brain to get wires mixed up, man. Just thinking JoJo's is eighty-seven and Dead Zone is. I'm sorry. Fuck! Now I'm doing it in the other direction. Oh, I'm so confused. No kidding. Episode 9, Speedwagon Destroys the Mask. Jesus Christ, I think I got a tumor. <laughs> um, yes, uh, Speedwagon Destroys the Mask. Uh, we then have a jump forward in time. Uh, Jojo and Arena have gotten married, and they're going on a honeymoon in America. Yep, and Speedwagon is Jojo's best man, and he's all psyched about it. Yep. Uh, he meets up with Poco, Tom Petty, and Straits, and I noted here two guys I don't think we've ever seen before. Those are Speedwagon's uh, cronies from Ogre Street. Oh, right, okay. Tattoo and whatever the other guy was. All right, okay. I totally forgot about them. Yep, because uh, they never appeared after that. <laughs> yeah, I thought that... Speedwagon cut him loose and was like, man, you guys are lame. I'm hanging out with this JoJo dude from now on. I think it's more like, we don't know why you love this guy so much. We're not going with you to fight vampires. We're just going to stay here one on of, Ogre Street. One of them's real shitty about it. He's just like, man, Speedwagon spends all his time with this JoJo chump. And the other one's just like, yeah, but he's happy. I just want my friends to be happy. Yeah, but Speedwagon used to be cool, man. Little yeah, but I mean, know. like, He's we're having cool. good time. We still got each other. I mean, yeah, he's still asking us to do stuff with him. I, just, I don't understand why you gotta get so bitter about it. As they're getting on a boat, uh, suspiciously, some guys are carrying on a giant coffin, which yeah. uh, nobody seems to think is unusual, except for one no. of the guys carrying it who hears a weird. Bleh. 
from inside <laughs> it. And he's like, uh. But whatever. He keeps. Yeah. Just brings it on. We also get an appearance uh, also... from a priest, Father Styx. Yes. Yep. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, who's a drunk priest? Uh, it will be important. Well, I thought later this. On. I was going to say I I thought that he was going to be more of a character than he turns out to be. No, uh, I'm not sure if he if he comes up again later on in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Nope. Okie dokie. Anyway, <laughs> no, they ruined. And... They had the great name Father Sticks. They just gave it to that chump. Yeah, they've. They fucking blew it just right out their ass. Good job, Using Baraki. This thing for like a grand, yeah. So, uh, Arena and JoJo, they're on the boat. They're having a great time. JoJo's still a dumb, dumb klutz. Uh, but they're eating dinner. Uh, I kind of have a note here that's just like, man, anime food looks so good. Uh-huh. Uh Because they're eating at this, this little dinner uh, on the boat, and JoJo drops a glass of wine, which I really like. Because we had that whole sequence of like Jojo, do not dro- do not spill a drop of wine out of this glass, and now here Jojo is dropping just a full glass of the stuff, and the way things kind of go for him afterwards, like I think that's a really great way to kick off Jojo at his lowest point. Yeah. So basically, Father Sticks drops his cross down a vent, and sees that it <laughs> landed in this weird coffin. Yep. And. uh so delightfully he, drunk Yeah He's he's a caricature of a drunk He's just like Oh my, my cross I dropped it like, oh, oh, Whoopsie doozy I dropped Oops. my cross again Now I gotta go get it And so he goes down there <laughs> And he's like Where you go little crossy poo Come here cross give <laughs> You never know that you haven't drank a day in your life because you play it drunk so perfectly. And he uh, goes down to the coffin. He's like, oh, this is a cool coffin. Look, it must have got it here. Oh, look, there's the latch. I'm going to open it up. <laughs> and he does that, and a ball shoots out from it and explodes his head. <laughs> so there's this whole... um. I'm sorry, I'm trying to, like, readjust to what the sequence of events here is. Because also thinking about this scene just reminds me of the bit where Jojo leaves, he tells Arena to go back to her room, and Arena is like, nah, something's up. And she follows Jojo without him knowing. But the camera just pans back to this other table yeah. <laughs> where a woman and her husband are eating, and the woman's just... The husband's just sitting there, and he's a zombie, and he's just going like... Ah. Yeah, he, he kind of just pops up like yeah. It's very much like Mr. Adams was He's like, I'm a zombie I had mentioned previously My favorite single image of this show Is JoJo's just holding this rock Looking astonished It is now the zombie eating dinner with his wife <laughs> No, zombies deserve a nice night out they do, they do. I'm not. No, zombies have come a long way. Yeah. Moving um, on up. But JoJo, JoJo has gone down to the to the engine room, which is where all this is is taking place. Uh, and it is revealed that Dio is still alive. He is now a Futurama style head in a jar I... that is being carried around by Wang Chung. I wrote down, 
Dio is a Futurama head in a jar like Al Gore. Awesome. Yeah. Glad we're on the same page. Yep. Uh, Dio has revealed that he intends to take... So, Dio needs a body. Uh, apparently, Dio can just transplant his head onto pretty much any body, but he specifically wants JoJo because he has such a, a deep, deep, deep respect for JoJo now. Like, JoJo got the better of him, and he is like, you know, damn, I respect that. Well, there's also the angle that he knows that JoJo is extremely powerful, and so, of course, you want that body. Yes. But here's what got a little weird for me is I the way I expected this to play out was Styx's body is laying in the corner without a head. Yeah. And and as as things start popping off in the scene, I was thinking that Dio would go stick his head onto Styx's body and be like, well, this isn't the one I wanted, but I want to live. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't happen. Nope. I guess Styx exists solely to die. Yeah. He exists to uh, act like uh, Mr. Leahy from Trailer Park Boys and then get exploded. <laughs> um, but yeah, you would think that he would at least be like, well, okay, at least I can use this as a temporary body until I get JoJo's, but no. Yeah. Nope. Uh, so he shoots eye beams at JoJo again. Yep. And this time it actually pierces Jojo's neck and is now causing Jojo to bleed out. Uh, he also cannot breathe, and so he thus cannot summon Haman energy. Yep. Uh, also, the ship is now full of monsters, and a man is killed by a life preserver thrown at excessive speeds. Yep. And uh should be mentioned that Dio has tentacles coming out of his neck that he uses to like, uh, mm-hmm. go, move around and... like attached to the rafters and i had this thought i wrote down for some reason i was thinking that dio looks a lot like a danganronpa character during this segment just for some reason the way he is like crazy eyed and hanging from the ceiling it just looked that way to me i don't know you haven't played those games thinking of it not it i'm sorry the thing oh sure the thing yeah yeah that was Look, the thing you got it. Well, the thing's way Same better thing, than it. Basically, it's no. It's, it's not. The... Sure, you remember the part where the dog ended up turning into the giant clown, and then balloons, Wolford Brimley. No, I don't. They all run together for me. It's basically the how can they the run same. together? One is it's like the in the thing. suburbs. One's in Antarctica. You remember they got the kids all tied up and they start, like, heating up the kids' blood? No! Alright, anyway. Maybe I remember these movies a little differently than you, so what? Apparently. Sue me. I would like if you, uh, if you just confused... Where the fuck are we in this episode? I would love if you confused the thing with, like, every Kurt Russell movie, so you're like, remember that time he got the flamethrower, uh, and then uh, used that on the guy before his head swelled up and exploded? And, um, then he had to go rescue the president in New York? I really did not like that scene where he had Wilford Brimley in, like, the passenger seat of his, like, death-proof automobile and was just, like, <laughs> tossing it around and killing Wilford Brimley. It was really distressing to me. That's right after Wilford Brimley not, says, uh, I'm the Duke of New York. I'm A number one. 
That's right. Yeah. Real genius. <laughs> Wait, no. Computer wore tennis shoes. That's right. Real genius is Val Kilmer. Anyway. So yeah, um, uh, Arena comes in to find uh, weird stuff happening. Uh, Dio's floating head and Jojo not able to breathe. Uh, and there are zombies everywhere And one zombie attacks a lady Who has a baby And she falls down but the baby's okay and Jojo dying basically tells Arena uh, You need to get out of here Go take that baby and get out And Arena's a big old whiner And just keeps talking about How she wants to die with him And uh, I almost fell asleep it, 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 it is him though saying like Go take the baby that that gets her to like actually get her shit together and eventually like, decide to leave. But he tells yeah. her that like two or three times, and she's still like, I don't wanna. Yeah. I also I, I think we we skipped a portion of this, which is that Jojo does use the last of his Haman to kill Wang Chung, oh. uh, but Wang Chung's body is controlled by uh, the last of Jojo's Haman and has seized the boat's machinery. Because that's also a thing so, you can do with Haman, it turns out. Yeah, just control people. Yeah. Uh, and I had I had taken very specific notes on how this would all play out. Uh, by stopping the screw shaft, the steam engine's pressure will rise, which will cause the ship to explode, and without a body, Dio cannot stop this. Yeah. Uh, although he has his zombies come in, and he's just like, Zombies! Eat Wang Chung's body, like, really quickly, please. Yeah. yeah, that was really good. Yeah. That's some uh, Look, expert problem solid solving. Plan. Yeah. yeah. Like, hey. I'd say Dio I... thinks on his feet, but he don't have feet right now. I guess he thinks on his, like, trindles? I'd... Ugh. Trindles. Ugh. Uh, Trindicles. <laughs> you stuck... Are you Dr. Steve Brule now? Rendicles. <laughs> uh but you know, I gotta respect Dio. He looks at a problem, he he sees like, hey, my problem is I got a body here that's going to jam these gears. My solution is I got a bunch of zombies here that love to eat bodies. Done. When a problem needs a problem solver, guess who gets the call? Dio, that's all. Yeah. I wonder if Iraqi likes Electric Six. Man, imagine if a whole gang of characters showed up and their gang name was just Electric Six. Oh, you know, Dick Valentine does seem like the name of a JoJo character. Tate Nucleus oh, especially that does. That really does. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, JoJo... Oh, no, I'm sorry. I was about to read that JoJo was telling Arena to run. Uh, we already been over that. Yeah. Um, uh, so he sends... Dio sends his next... Uh, neck uh, Trandicles to <laughs> snag Jojo up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he then tell uh, he tells Arena that he will escape with Jojo in his coffin, uh, which can, and I quote, withstand a massive explosion. Think of it as a bomb shelter for one. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I like. To imagine that there was a scene before all this happened where he was talking with Wang Cheng and he's like, well, we really need to make sure that this can withstand a massive explosion. Well, yeah. I just want to be sure, because this JoJo guy... You know, they don't make coffins like that anymore. Uh, 
people used to take pride in their work. You know, you used to see craftsmanship like that everywhere. These days, you know, they just want to keep it together long enough to put you in the ground, and then that's it. They don't care what happens after that. Who's even making this coffin? Is Wang Cheng over there in, like, a fucking forge? No, I bet he hired someone. a little hammer against metal? I wish it were Wang Cheng, though. Yeah. I want a whole side series of that little fuck freak just doing whatever. (laughs) Well, Wang Chan was busy, uh, or his specialty is poison. Remember? Yeah, that's that's right. That's his whole thing. Chemicals and such. Yeah. Uh, But Dio lunches at Jojo, uh, but Jojo stabs Dio in the neck with a chunk of uh, shrapnel. Uh, because part of the boat blows up at this point, and Jojo gets a bunch of it sunk into his back, uh, trying to protect Arena. Uh, he then embraces Dio's head and admits that they have a bizarre connection and that they will die together in the blast. Uh, Dio tries to reason with him, but Jojo dies in the process. Yep. Uh, and on February 7th, 1889, uh, Jonathan Joestar is dead. Yes. Uh, Arena and the baby have escaped using Dio's coffin uh, because Dio kind of mentioning all that, I assume, gave her the idea of just getting in there herself. Get in there! Uh, It says that history might forget Jojo, but his legacy will live on through his descendants. Uh, She says that she is pregnant, uh, which I thought was weird because I thought that what would happen is the baby that she took would end up becoming the next... Jojo. Nope. Does that baby show up again, or is that just a, like, one final way to show Jojo's kindness? I don't think I should say. Okay. Well, you also just basically told me the baby shows up again, so thank you. No, I didn't. Mm. Anyway. So we get uh, roundabout one more time for this part of the series. Yep. And then in the post credits, we see some sort of like Mayan temple and a, a figure of stone. Yes. What appears to be a man encased in stone or like a statue, I guess it would be. Have in a yes. wall. A pillar, some would say. Oh, no. Yeah. You know. Uh, and that's an addition well, for the show, because obviously we're going right into part two. That was not in the yeah. original manga. So I guess before we wrap up, I like sort of share our thoughts on like what we thought of part one overall. Okay. I feel like, or so well, I guess you I was, also got your your part of the book that you got to read. Too. Yes. Also, I was going to say, I think at the end of each season. Uh, we should do an episode where we just talk about that season in general. So we could do a bit about part one now, but after all of part two, I'd like to do a week where we just yeah. talk about the whole thing as a whole. Um, that sounds good to me. Before I read this book, I will say I found watching this to be far more enjoyable than reading it was, uh, especially the early parts, which were a real slog when reading it. Uh, they excised a lot of stuff that needed it um and so you kind of get all the backstory stuff done in one episode which i found very helpful what do you think well i haven't read it so i don't know 
how a different part one is in the manga. Uh, I know a lot of people say that this is like the weakest part of JoJo overall, um, but I really liked part one like a whole lot. Like I, I had told you that I wanted to watch it one episode per night leading up to us doing this, and I couldn't help myself, and I watched them all in one sitting. Yeah. So, like, obviously I was super, super into part one, and yeah. I am extremely jazzed up to see what happens in part two because you've been kind of hinting to me that that is where things really start popping off. Yes, like I would say the part one in this adaptation I would rank as like a 7 out of 10 or so, which is much higher than I would rate the manga. Like, I would, I did not like it much at all. Uh, mm. And so, yeah, when things... Part two is going to be really good. Uh, so... I uh, mentioned to you I have an order open in Amazon of basically all the volumes of the, uh, they call it the Jujonium yeah. editions of, like, the books. Uh I know part one probably isn't very good in that. I've kind of looked at some pages from it just to get a sense of what the art style was. It looks absolutely terrible. Like, you can tell he's come a very long way. Yeah. Uh, and yet I'm, I'm like, actually weirdly kind of into it. It looks yeah. so bad, but I kind of, like, love it. He improves a lot even in part two. Um, it's really noticeable how far he comes, especially throughout the course of it. And then part three kind of bears very little resemblance to how he used to draw things before that. Um, and he's so done like that... a big stylish stylistic change at that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, but especially now, uh, I had mentioned to you before that specifically on those hardcover versions. He draws the past characters as he would draw them now, and they look completely different. Because at some point, he got way into twinks. And so instead of these huge buff dudes, he's like, check out all these slender guys with broken spines doing weird poses. So maybe you can explain this to me. I, in trying to do... Um, well, they're, uh... Wait, what? Yeah, no. No, lay it on me. What's a trap? Oh, oh boy. <laughs> anyway. Dad, what's so, a Shota? All the kids at school are talking about nope, it. Nope, nope. Uh, here's the <laughs> note from the book. Um, for this episode, I'd like to talk about series director, storyboard writer, and episode director Kenichi Suzuki. This whole episode was very well done, and I was left speechless. If I had to say anything, it would be that was definitely entertaining. Ha ha ha. In terms of animation, well, it says laughs. I assume that's why he sounds Stop like Stop editorializing, it. just read the words. <laughs> in terms of animation, it was a high-quality episode. Arena is one of the few female characters who appear in JoJo, and her face changes slightly every time <laughs> she appears, but she's always cute, so I'm not too concerned about it. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> one of the things I liked in the episode was a scene at the end where Arena is carrying the baby. I like the resolution of this fierce battle hints at what com- Wait. Oh, I think the resolution of this fierce battle hints at what will come next. The scene where Jonathan and Arena and Arena part ways is so sad, isn't it? As a Yuki Okitsu, who plays the part of Jonathan in the Japanese version, was tearing up while we were dubbing. When you compare it to the scenes on the ship where Jonathan and Arena are flirting, it makes it even sadder. 
The end. I was laughing at him just outright being like, hey, there's not many women in this show, is there? Because, like, I think there's exactly two female characters. It's I, Arena and Poco's sister, and, like, that's it. I, I like how he mentioned... He also kind of makes a dig at the animation by saying her face never looks the same in any two shots. <laughs> that's true. Which, like, you know, not going to get into the whole thing with it, but, like... It, tell the story you want to tell so like for me i i I enjoyed it i wasn't sitting here thinking like need to have more female characters doing stuff in this like it part one felt totally fine to me but it is that is something i understand about jojo is there's really no like major female roles in it not true okay in part two specifically there is a very major like one of the three main characters is female okay yeah, I, hey, part one, it is Arena and Poco's sister, and I'm yeah. not even sure she was given a name. So she wasn't. Um, and also okay, the great. the protagonist of part never six, I think, is uh, Jolene and, and Cujo. That, and that is what I was going to ask you: is I, in doing the artwork for the thumbnails, have incidentally come across art of other parts of jojo and i could not figure out if that was a dude or a lady jolene cujo is a lady okay now that, i that know part, that part mostly takes place in a prison uh, which i would like to think is like uh araki saw orange is the new black and was like yeah this is what i'm gonna do all right i although it was before saw... I saw a lot of art of her, and I thought, like, this guy looks like a really pretty lady. Well, his art But I'm not sure if maybe it's just a lady. I don't know. And I didn't want to, like, look anything up and ruin anything for myself. By that point, especially, his art becomes extremely androgynous for most characters. So, yeah, yeah, I I can't really blame you. Because I saw some stuff of part eight too, and and yeah, like it definitely seems his newer stuff leans more towards androgyny. Yeah, which uh, is fine. Like whatever. I still I think no it looks really the... cool. Yeah, no, I'm I'm still, I'm just as into seeing what is up with parts eight and seven and six and whatever else as I am of, of part two. Like I'm I'm waiting for that style. Well, let's wait till we get to the end of uh, this anime series, and then. I wonder if uh, we would maybe start reading the manga. We get past I where plan... they've actually adapted it. Yeah. Uh, the I, thing I about that. Part one. Yeah. Well, the pro- the problem is like we would kind of have to deal with scanlations, and those are always terrible. But this can get pretty bad. I'm gonna t- turn this from a TV club into a book club. Oh no. That's right. We all know I don't know how to read. Well, you can look at the pictures. They're still picture yes. books. The only reason I know what's going on in JoJo is they say stuff in English so much. Nice catch. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> bye bye. And and with that, uh, let's see end of part one. We will begin uh, part two next week with episodes ten through thirteen. Right, ten, eleven, twelve. Yes. 10 through 13. And that's it for this week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
open course for the virgin sea. Cause I 